아직 난다는 듯해 내가 뭘 원하는지 대 말안 해도 잘 알아먹는 여자 나는 그런 여자가 좋더라 하얀 동화지 발이 구비 내 물감을 짜지 이 밤이 지나기까지 빚을래 너라는 자기 상상은 여기까지 Let us get up for this party 가물론 대남녀까지 다 여기 Report. It is Wednesday at 5 p.m. It's that magical time of the week. You are now joining Andy, myself, Jacob, and our host, Jake, back here at the Arts Report on unceded Musqueam territory. Beautiful introduction, although you, you forgot someone. Nathan is uh, also here in studio. Hello, you guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great, yeah. Uh, just saying goodbye to to Steve Zhang from Asian Wave 101. Uh, thank you for that extra half hour. We got an hour and a half of Asian Wave 101 today. Uh, so a special treat if you were tuning in early. Um, and yeah, we've got a great show today. We, um, we're going to find out about the Queer Film Festival. We've got an interview with Jeff Berner coming up a little bit later um, about a, a book that he wrote called We Are Going to Bremen to Be Musicians. And Andy, um, how was your week? My week? Mostly uneventful. How was your week? Uh, it was. I didn't really do much, yeah. <laughs> Not yet, but soon you'll be... Um, are you looking forward to covering the Film Noir Festival? I am looking forward to that. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. We're still in the planning processes, it seems, but it should be fun. Have you guys... Do you guys like noir? Have you really experienced Film Noir at I, all? I think the only film i've actually seen that was fully black and white was the artist did you guys see the artist no no i don't think no no it was the one that won all the academy awards it was a pretty great film actually yeah so but it would be nice to see these are all local films i believe mm-hmm. uh well the uh, film no not the film noir film noir festival these are like the classic film noir films i don't know how like canonical they are i've only seen one of them which was uh which was detour which is like a very famous well relatively famous in noir circles is a very zero budget film noir is is very cheap but this is even cheap by noir standards <laughs> uh, last year i i went to go see a, a noir film i didn't know anything about it um uh, and it was great it was it was cool to see you know um a movie from a an older perspective, perspective yeah. yeah no i haven't seen a film noir film in quite some time i think the last one would have been 
couple of years back, I rewatched uh, I think Birds by Alfred Hitchcock was that I think that was film noir, was it? I wouldn't know actually. I think he I think he filmed that one in black and white. If not that, then I guess before that would have been some some of Charlie Chaplin's work from way back in the day. Well, noir isn't just isn't just black and white. You know, there's like certain conventions. Um, yeah, I don't think Chaplin would be considered noir, would it? Uh, no, he's slapstick. Yeah, he's a slapstick for yeah. the most part. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, but so it's a lot of brooding, a lot of, you know, uh, like voiceover. I think is maybe one of the staples. Crime. Crime. Yeah, everything is corrupt. Everybody is corrupt. Well, the other thing about noir too is there's lots of problems with it. There's, you know, it's like all these. Well, there's lots. Yeah, it's an old perspective. There's. You know, it's kind of the worst of Hollywood and everything in a lot of ways. Um, And so the antidote of these old chauvinistic noir films is perhaps the Queer Film Festival. And um, I think we're going to try and get someone on the line who you went and saw a film with, Nathan. Is that right? That is right. I went to go see The Guest. um, And it is a film that follows Elena um, and is played by transgendered actress Daniela Vega. And she returns home for the first time since her gender transition um, for her father's funeral. Um, so this is a very religious family. So it was a very um, hard film to watch because she was disowned by her family just because um, she did transition from a male to a female. So uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about that and get somebody's opinion on it, which is my friend Maddie. Okay, well, maybe we can uh, pull up some ads or music or something and then we'll get Maddie on the phone. All right. CITR and Timber Concerts present Home Shake with guests Sheer Agony live at the Biltmore Cabaret on Friday, August 21st. Doors at 7 p.m., show starts at 8. Tickets are $10 and are available at Red Cat, Zulu, and online at ticketweb.ca. Timber Concerts present Circuit des Dieux with guests Marisa Anderson and Ora Kogan, live at the Cobalt on Thursday, August 20th. Doors open at 8 p.m., show starts at 9. For more information, visit timberconcerts.com. This is my life. I... I wake up in the morning, I eat, I sleep, I shit. Breakfast with the Browns. So whatever it is, but I never shut it off for five minutes. I can't wait to impress my friends with my astounding knowledge of cool. Join your favorite Brownsters and tune in and listen to the best selection of down-tempo electro-pop lounge core. Strictly Squaresville. Remember. Subtle. Basic. Breakfast with the Browns on CITR 101.9 FM every Monday morning Uh, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. The older I get, the more life starts to make sense and the less I care. Now we're riding the rainbow again. 
examples of what it isn't. But you, man, you're going to have a hell of a time saying what it is. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world. And guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. And here to review the Queer Film Festival is Nathan Singh and Maddie, who we're reaching over the phone. Maddie, are you there? It doesn't look like it. <laughs> Maddie, are you there? Can you hear us? Oh, I think it might work now. Maddie, are you there? Yes, hi. Hey, welcome to CITR 101.9. Um, Thank you. Now, you and Nathan went to go check out a film. What did you see? We saw The Guest. And it was a Spanish film, like I said, and it's actually called La, Vis La Visita, um, but in English that translates to The Guest. And like I said, it's a transgen it features a transgendered actress, Daniela Vega, and she plays Elena, um, who is returning home for the first time since her gender transition for her father's funeral. So when I saw the film, I thought it was refreshing to see um, a transgendered actress um, playing the starring mm -hmm. role and also um, the film being based upon um, transgendered issues. And Maddie, I just wanted to get your opinion. What do you see, um, I guess, in the future when we see all of these um, people being catalysts for change like Caitlyn Jenner and Laverne Cox? Do you see uh, more films and more movies being um, starring transgendered people or um, being based upon the struggles that transgendered people face on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that as um, this issue comes to the forefront and it, um, people start to learn more about it, they're going to want to be educated on this issue. So I think that it's definitely going to become more popular. And this way, everyone's going to have someone to look up to, someone to be inspired by. And also, I think that um, queer, like LGBT people will have mm -hmm. something to look at because um, I'm sure when you watch movies and you see all, um, I guess when, when you watch movies, you look up to whatever you see and um, that Definitely. inspires you to think. So if, you, if you're a little girl and you see a Disney movie, that's all you want to mm. be. You want to be a mermaid or you want to be a princess. And um, for these transgender kids or these um, LGBT kids, they have really nothing to look up to. So I hope in the future, um, the Queer Film Festival will become um, more um, accessible to youth as well. Yes, and I think with this film that we saw, it really 
it could speak to someone who's going through something something tough and it could help them just give them that extra step, step that they need. Yes. What, what was the genre of the film? It was um, definitely a drama. It had a very yeah. eerie feel to it and the director did make um, the intensity from the characters. There was a rawness to it um, that really stood out. Um, so yeah, it would definitely be a drama. Yeah. But the, the interesting... Oh, sorry, sorry Maddie, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say the interesting part about uh, this film is that they never once talked about um, this woman being transgender, but yet you felt the tension and you felt hmm. all the emotions surrounding that, which was really interesting to see. And I also wanted to talk about um, how slow-paced the film was. Um, there were scenes that... Um, we would be in one shot for maybe even a minute, even two minutes. Um, and mm -hmm. that re they really did focus a lot on thing, um, some B-roll scenes. Um, so what part of the film did you not like or not enjoy? Or you did you feel awkward watching some scenes? Um, I didn't understand the part about the woman in upstairs, living upstairs. Mm-hmm. That was a little confusing to me, and I, I still don't. I was thinking about it, and I still don't understand the significance of that. Because they really, or I guess the director really didn't give you much to work on. You were just no. put in a situation, and a lot of the movie you really had to figure out by yourself. Yeah, you did, and it was something that you thought about afterwards. It is. I think maybe that's one of the refreshing things about the queer film festival is is it could be the antidote to these summer blockbusters that that often are the same in you know, um, well, you don't get a range of diversity, you know, you don't get these issues that are brought up, but you also uh, don't get the same range in in pacing, like you say, mm -hmm. you know, you you, uh -huh. you don't get the opportunity to see what's it like to really sit with a slow shot for two minutes, you know, what yeah. what's it like to confront that as an audience member. But that is the really great thing about the Queer Film Festival. I got the chance to see uh, three films so far, and um, really all of them were very unlike one another, but were also fresh and new and refreshing um, from the movies that we usually see on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, if you really, if any of you do have time, um, I highly suggest you check out the Queer Film Festival because it's going on until the 23rd. So you do have time to catch a couple films. Now you've told us about the guest. Um, what, what else have you, what else did you see? Um, I saw... I, I don't want to say this wrong, um, like Henry Gambler's birthday party. And that was also, um, that starred a, um, a boy who was gay and he was uh, living in a religious home. And I, I guess throughout the whole movie, his mother did know that he was um, gay and she sent something. And I think the whole like the message of the movie was to yes i think faith is important and religion is an important mm. thing in every, in one's life but to also um not discriminate against a certain um race or even or a certain um i guess or don't discriminate against a person just for your beliefs right so you can believe into you can believe in something but still be um compassionate and I, I think that's something that um, something as a society we really do need to become more aware about because um, just that movie and even this movie um, really showed that religion is separating us as a race, really. And mm -hmm. 
all of us can believe in different things, but we should all still keep in the back of our minds that we are all human beings and we all should be compassionate to one another, no matter who we love or what we believe in. Uh, mm. Is it true that you went to the opening gala uh, at uh, on Thursday last week? Or? I did, and that was um, that was a very interesting time. Um, it was in, uh, I don't know if you know where the skating rink is in Robson Square, but um, there is no ice there. I, I guess it's the middle of yeah, summer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just a concrete uh, floor and there was a little gala there and that was a really fun time. There yeah. was a pink carpet, I, I think. Or? There. Yes, there was somewhat of a pink carpet. It, you don't go to the pink carpet. You don't go through the pink carpet when you get in, but you have the option to take a picture on the pink right, carpet yeah. if you want. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the, the opening gala. Uh, it, it was really everything that you would expect from a uh, queer film festival gala. Um, there were drag queens, there were salsa dancers, there were um, there was lots of beer and lots of wine, and it was a, it was a very fun time. Mm. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, uh, the shows are all around town, like all the theaters, um, all the independent theaters for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mostly, they're not too far from the downtown core. So um, some of the films are being played at the Vancouver Playhouse, um, at some in, in the Woodward's building, um, the SFU Theater. Um, some are being played at International Village. And then there's also some films being screened at the Van City Theater. So they're all um, pr- uh, not too far from each other. So, And they're all pretty close to downtown or even in downtown. Uh, it's the 27th year of the festival. Um, I'm sure it grows every year. Um, uh, when how when can people uh, see it until? Um, until the 23rd. So you have a couple more days to check out some films if you're interested. Uh, now, you, you've mentioned two of the three films, but there was a third film that you saw as well? There was a third film. Um uh, and that was I can't, I'm drawing a blank. What was that film? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll come <laughs> back to that. Okay. And Maddie, we've still got you on the line. Uh, what yeah. What's your experience been so far? The the atmosphere of the film festival and uh, and attending that. Oh, I really liked it. It was a very um, light environment. It was very. It felt very welcoming. Um, I ne- I'd never been to a queer film festival film before, so um, it was interesting being in that environment and seeing the film, and I really enjoyed my experience. Well, very cool. Well, hopefully people will, will check it out. And um, and I do remember the third film, actually. Oh, oh good, um, yes. <laughs> it was a film called Grandma. And oh, it was Grandma. Actually, yeah, and it was sold out. It was crazy. There was a line. It was at the Rio. And that's, I guess, the far, that's the farthest theater from the downtown core. So if you're interested, but I guess you just take a sky train and you're right there. Um, but it was a lesbian film. And it was about um, the relationship with a grandma and her granddaughter. And um, I guess how the different generations of people are changing and evolving and how we should build tolerance for one another. And it was a very well-done film and... I really enjoyed it. That's probably that was probably one of my favorite films that I've seen. I uh, I've heard about Grandma, and um, I, I it was one to check out. I I almost tried to go to it last week. Um, it's starring Lily Tomlin, and I read an article about um, 
the name of the guy is escaping me right now, but he he plays a cowboy, and he's a cowboy in The Big Lebowski. He's like the kind of voiceover cowboy guy, and I, I forget his name, but he always plays these cowboy roles. And um, the article was saying he has a 10-minute cameo, but it's some of the best acting that he's ever done, and people are even talking that you know he should be considered for Oscar for his 10-minute cameo in this film. He was wow. really, really good. Well, tell it, what what was it about his performance? Um, he just he really you could tell that it was a very challenging role for him to play, and you and he was probably um one of the most I, I want to say one of the most lively, or I guess not lively, but one of the most um prominent characters in the film. Um, so when looking back at the film, he just played his role with such um, confidence. He was one of the lovers of um, the main character, Lily. Sorry, what was L- Lily Tomlin is the actress. Yeah, no, Lily Tomlin's, and um, she ended up being lesbian. So he had to live for many years with that pain, hmm. and yeah, he executed the role flawlessly. So yeah, he was amazing. And and uh, Lily Tomlin, uh, how was her performance in the in the film as well? She was really funny, and the film was a comedy. And I I know that she has done many comedies. Um, you uh, if you, if you don't know, uh, if you're familiar with Magic School Bus, she was actually the voice of Miss Frizzle. Is a <laughs> that is a fun fact. Wow! Really, I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah so uh she was really great in her role it was honestly that was just a really great it was it was refreshing because that was the only comedy that i have seen in the queer film festival so there really is something for everybody i there is a drama if you love dramas there are comedies if you love comedies um there's something for everybody at the queer film festival well uh thank you for for checking it out and, and for telling us about the festival again uh you can find out tickets online, and, and it is on until the 23rd of August. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. And Maddie, too. Thank you for, for thank your... Thank you very input. much. Um, well, I've got uh, a, a, a few things I've written down for the arts calendar for this week. Um, uh, there's Speaking of films and the Rio Theater, the Rio has a couple things going on. One is a coffee film festival, which is happening this Saturday. It's a one-day festival. Um, there is There are four films. One is called A Small Section of the World, A Film About Coffee, Aroma of Heaven, and Caffeinated. Now, A Small Section of the World is a documentary about how many hands um, touch your morning coffee before you do, and it might be more than you think. Um, and it is produced by World Coffee Events, and if you like coffee and if you like movies, check out the Coffee Film Festival at the Rio Theater, and if you want something local, the very next day is the East Van Short Film Showcase, um, and this, this showcase is, again, Sunday at the Rio, and they are resisting the summer superhero trend, and they are reminding us that high-quality artistic films are being made all the time, uh, and so check that out. Um, Les Soins Noirs is August 25th, and this is, I think it's in response to, um, there's, uh, like a, a, 
uh, Le Nuit en Blanche or something. There's a dinner where you pay probably lots of money and dress in all white and you go have a dinner somewhere. This one, it's you wear uh, as much black as possible and it's a free democratic um, picnic and it is at Crab Park on August 25th. The task is to dress head to toe in your blackest clothes and prepare for an evening of resounding positive community um, eating dinner together. So that is Le Soir Noir. Um, and uh, on August 22nd, another picnic in the park sort of event, there is the Vines Art Festival, and that is at Trout Lake Park. Um, from 4 to 6 p.m. on August 22nd, it is a poetry reading between the closed lines. Um, so this is an open invitation for anyone who would like to um, read poetry in an imagined underwater space marked by three clotheslines in the liminal space between multiple horizons and states of wet and dry. So what they're going to do, they're going to set up three clotheslines. They're going to hang wet clothes that, you know, it's an active clothesline. It's between four and six, so there will still be some sunshine. And as the clothes dry, everyone's inside listening to pro poetry and imagining their <laughs> the space that they are in. Now I'm going to pass the microphone over to Jacob because you're here to tell us about an event that you were taking part in uh, last weekend. Yes, so last Friday I had the opportunity to participate in a fashion show that was hosted by uh, J2 Sneakerbox, which is of course this uh, sneaker boutique store, whatever you want to call it, based out of Metrotown. And they were previewing some key looks for fall winter 2015. The show was hosted at uh, Fortune Sound Nightclub on Friday. So I'd first of all, I'd like to just thank everyone who came out. And I'd like to thank Fortune for hosting it and for J2 and Sneakerbox for letting me kind of get involved with that. Although, although I'll point out that we are entirely a community radio station that have no commercial affiliation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thanking just for myself. But um, basically, the show was very interesting. The way it was set up is that um, in between every couple of outfits that would kind of like come out onto the runway, they would have dance crews performing different kinds of dances. And so what that kind of did was uh, really bring out the liveliness of the clothing. That's, you know what I mean? Because when you just look at the clothing on a runway, you know, sometimes it can get a little boring if you're not completely kind of enthralled by the fabrics and the shapes and sizes of whatever the people are wearing. And so the dancing really kind of animated the entire environment and it was a really good time. Uh, the music selection was uh, predominantly very EDM and hip-hop based, and so the bass was thumping, everyone was dancing, there was a great crowd out, everyone was having a great time, so the music really kind of, again, um, made the, brought the show to life even more. Now, with regards to the actual clothing, uh, the clothing was also very well selected. All the outfits um, were just out of a fashion magazine, um, since obviously it's for winter time, there's lots of layering, lots of grays and blacks, and uh, with some whites here and there, just kind of accentuate the different outfits. And um, yeah, and so so you were in the fashion show. You you were Zoolander. You were doing your best Zoolander. <laughs> I was doing my best Zoolander. Yeah, exactly. Have you done that before? Uh, not runway stuff. So you made your modeling debut on the weekend. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really cool experience. Got to meet a lot of really cool people, a lot of up-and-coming um, artists from around the city, be it 
photographers, journalists, um, other models. Um, yeah, so it was just it was a good uh, networking experience, and yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, all right, well, I I had the pleasure to sit down last week with um, Jeff Burner and. Jeff Berner is a singer-songwriter and an accordion player. He's also an author uh, from Vancouver. Uh, his past books include Festival Man and How to Be an Accordion Player. Uh, his latest book is um, it's called We Are Going to Bremen to Be Musicians, which is an illustrated book. Um, Jeff Berner provides the words, illustrations by Tin Can Forest, and it's a reworking of a folk tale, um, The Bremen Town Musicians, which he describes as a children's book for adults. Um, it's very cool. We have it in our station, and it's um, it's a beautifully illustrated book. And what he does is he kind of he takes this children's story, which um, I think I remember having it read to me when I was a kid. Um, it was about these musicians who, or these these animals who kind of flee their they're they're gonna be killed and they know it you know and because they're farm animals mm -hmm. and so they run away to Bremen to become musicians and have a better life as a town musician uh, and so what he does is he kind of takes it to its um, philosophical extremes and um, explores the ethics of of the aspect of <laughs> of the Bremen town musicians and so um, so I sat down with him uh, over the phone last week and this is our conversation going to Bremen to be musicians um, is of course it's a retelling of the classic Bremen town musicians story on the first page it says um, it says that the story has been told many times and here for the first time is the perfect version of the story what, what did you want to add to the Bremen town musicians well I, I just wanted to uh, play with it more yeah. than anything you know I just wanted to uh, but but I wanted to I wanted to add sort of meditations on the the ethical aspects of the story and uh the the strangeness of the story. Mm -hmm. And a couple extra chickens. <laughs> I I liked the extra chicken and uh it, it did bring up a lot of ethical questions. The fate of the owners after the animals leave is is sort of dire. Are there any sympathetic characters in this story? Everyone is sympathetic in the story. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Everyone is uh caught in the trap of existence. I guess in the same vein, everyone is also exploited. Um, the animals are exploited by their owners. The owners are exploited by the land owners. Is that something that you wanted to tackle specifically? I didn't really want to tackle it. I just wanted to describe the world as it is. The format of this story is... Um, if you if you passed it in a bookstore, it would look like a children's story, um, a children's book. Do you describe it that way? Uh, I've been calling it uh, a kids book for grown-ups. Okay. The I mean the first paragraph mentions the Holocaust, and the language isn't always what you would associate with children's book. Would you read it to children? No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> maybe 
maybe particularly precocious uh, 11-year-olds, but uh, that's as far as I would go. So you've you worked with Tin Can Forest. Uh, they you provided the words and they provided the illustrations. How closely did you work with them? Uh, not at all. I I have worked with them in the past, and I have complete trust in them as artists. And uh, I found that if you get involved with good people and you kind of let them do their thing you get better results than if you look over their shoulder. And uh, they uh, they came up with the images and the image systems and uh, all the, I mean, every, you know, uh, square millimeter of the book is not just a, a picture or an illustration, but some kind of deep reference to uh, aspects of Eastern European um Mythology and and uh, I don't even know all the things that they're 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 uh, you know um, reaching back to when they in in their design and their illustration it's uh, and and it gives the whole work about nine hundred different levels that it didn't have before the tech it was just text. Reading through the book, I, I wondered how much input you would have had for that because there are times when the animals are more personified. There are times when the animals are wearing clothes and, and walking upright, and there are others where they are, you know, sort of dressed as animals. The humans in the book are also... Um, they're they come, they're drawn with less dignity often than the animals have. Um, when you were writing the, the words for the story, were, were you hoping that that would come across the same way? Uh, well, I'd say that it's true that uh, it's the animals that are the, the protagonists. You know, they're the, they're the ones who, whose perspective you're sharing for the most part. So I would say that, that it's, uh, it's a natural outflow of the story that the humans who are uh, really, I guess, the antagonists, they're the, peop- they're, the, they're the characters that the animals are running away from. I mean, this is a story where all the animals are slated for death by their owners, and uh, the other humans that they meet are also kind of fearsome and murderous. So, uh, you know, it, it's logical that they, that they would, the illustrators would interpret the text that way, because uh, that's that's definitely uh, what what you get from the text. I mean, uh, like the the interplay between between their illustrations and my text is really fascinating to me, and a lot of it, the images are surprising to me. Mm-hmm. What they choose. To illustrate and what they choose not to illustrate uh, is is fascinating to me in in the book. Can you talk a little bit about the the philosophical relationship between the animals? We get some really great conversations between, uh, well, initially between the donkey and and the dog, and and with the rest of the animals further down the line. Well, the donkey is the is the fearless leader, and uh, he's certain of what needs to be done 
even when he really doesn't have all the information necessary to make a decision. <laughs> and, uh, and the cat is a pessimist mm-hmm. who, and a fatalist who feels that is just teetering on wondering if, if it's worthwhile to carry on at all. And, uh, and, and is traumatized uh, more deeply. Um, and then in the middle of that is the dog, who's a bit of an equivocator. He can't really, he's always on the one hand this and on the other hand that. The dog, the dog wants to be, you know, liked. And so he's always kind of entertaining different people's opinions. Uh, and then the chicken is basically a, a moron. Who <laughs> 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 believes that he can see the future and uh and that all chickens have, can see the future. <laughs> and, and he but he never foresaw that he might wind up as a soup. Yeah. Well, the you mentioned you added a, a second chicken. There, there's a chicken who chooses um, not to be set free, not to um, take a life of, of unknowns and adventure and, and move to Bremen to become a town musician, um, but instead chooses to stay in the farm. Um, and and that particular rooster is is described by the dog as in some ways brave um, for knowing the potential of his fate and choosing to stay. Um, what about r- writing that into the story? Well, actually, there's three chickens because the dog first, when they, when uh, the, the way they come to free a chicken in the first place is the dog is thinking, and he's like, oh, you know, when I left my owner to escape with my life, I should have probably brought the chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think of the chicken, and I should, I should, we should go back and get the chicken. And the, the donkey and the cat think that's a really bad idea because they'll just get caught. So they talk the dog into just freeing the next chicken they see instead because, you know, one chicken is as good as another in their mind. <laughs> and uh, they, so then the second chicken is the one that doesn't want to go, doesn't want to escape, and basically doesn't really believe that these people who get up whenever he tells them to mm-hmm. are going to eat him, you know. Uh, he doesn't want to go. So and and uh, so they finally find an older chicken who has a better idea of what's really going on, and and he goes with them. So, you know, there's three chickens. The one is the almost hypothetical chicken, and the other the other is the chicken that doesn't want to go, doesn't want to escape, and then the third is is the older chicken who who actually. But he he's not too bright either. But he does take a chance to try to try to live. What I love, you know, what I love too, is the discussion between the dog and the donkey and the cat uh, as to whether or not they should go back, um, and the value of one chicken or, or another. Um, it, it's it's a very fair conversation, and um, 
and it's clearly an emotional choice for the dog who is choosing to leave his friend, but it's still a very um, kind of calm and fair discussion that they have. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, it, it is a difficult question, like the way that we weight the value of different human beings. Even though we say we believe everyone's equal, we, we don't actually behave like that's the case in, in, in any moment of our day. So, so uh, you know, that, it's just contemplating that the fact that we say everyone's equal, but we'd never behave that way. The other thing I'd like to ask you about is this notion of um, property. The the animals come across a house um, that has been, you know, taken over by robbers who have robbed everything that they have, um, and the animals see their opportunity, they're tired and, and they see a chance to get some rest and some food if they can scare off these robbers. Um, and only for one time does the dog stop and think, what would we have chosen to do if these were not robbers and were in fact the, the rightful owners to this property? Um, and of course they decide to, to knock them off anyways. But even as they chase away the robbers, there's no thought to the rightful owners of any of the property. Oh, I, I think the dog mentions it, or maybe, but uh, it's the kind of thing the dog might think of, because the dog is always trying to figure out what the right thing to do is, but he never can quite exactly decide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they, that's an aspect of the story that I think jumps out to me in in the classic story of the of the of the animals of the you know the, the in the classic version of it they do they they uh they scare these robbers away and it's just lucky that they these people are robbers that they don't that the animals don't feel bad about scaring away cuz what how would they have done otherwise it, probably if they had wandered in to the house of people who weren't robbers the regular people would have ate them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because this, these heroes of the story are these animals that are slated to be eaten. Um, they also don't seem to have a problem with eating ham themselves. Um, and they, you know, they become the heroes of the story. You mentioned at the very end um, in a postscript that even though they never made it to Bremen, they never became musicians, their, um, their story is far and wide. They're the heroes of the story. And there are statues of them all over the place. You know, you even you see them here, but of course in Bremen there, there are statues too. And what you don't find are statues of actual musicians. No, they never... The people of Bremen never saw fit to memorialize the actual musicians of Bremen. <laughs> Only the animals from the story who never got there. They never became actual musicians, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they did, in my version of the story, they did become musicians. For the moment when they when they frightened, the, they made a noise to frighten the robbers away, they were professional musicians because they were making a sound to earn their, their living with. <laughs> so, so... That for that moment when they made a, made the most horrific sound they could muster, 
standing on in a in a pyramid there or whatever uh that that they were musicians and uh so but they didn't ever get to bremen and so it's an interesting observation about uh i guess human nature is that we is what we decide to save and what we decide not to save and what we decide to memorialize and what we decide not what we decide to forget about <laughs> so you know it's uh it's uh so all of the aspects of of the story that I'm trying to do it with uh, my version of it is take take everything in the original story to its logical ethical conclusion just mm-hmm. go all the way with okay so they lived happily ever after okay what was the manner of their death let's um, let's imagine that because they they didn't live forever <laughs> they were old that's why they were escaping the farms like they were old so they didn't they lived happily ever after so what did it look like when when i mean happily ever after probably wasn't that long <laughs> no which isn't really mentioned in the in the the original story, and then you know things like who were the robbers, what happened to the robbers after they had to leave their hideout mm-hmm. you know well, I mean, if they had to leave their hideout, they probably got caught, and then what happened to them? Well, what happens to robbers who get caught in in like Renaissance uh Germany is that they probably were tortured to death. <laughs> Yeah, you know, people were, you know, quartered, you know, and stuff like that, in those days, and you know, and not that long ago here. So you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's just uh, interesting to take this this weird story that's part of our culture, um, and and uh, work it out to the to the absurd degree you know were there any did you identify with any or all of the animals sure absolutely all of them Mm -hmm. i definitely identify i mean that's that's what literature is for is that your good literature makes you identify with every single character who appears for the moment that the character is speaking or or acting uh you should be being them you know the reader that's that's like that's what's great about literature is that it's uh you know it's a uh device for not just empathy but something deeper than empathy where you really are living inside somebody else well we are going to bremen to be musicians is a beautiful book um words by jeff burner who's on the line right now tin can forest uh provide the illustrations and you've also got an album of the same name that i understand is going to be released at the accordion noir festival in vancouver you got it at the Wise Festival at the Wise Hall on September 12th. We're playing. We got a brand new record of the same name. Uh, we are going to Bremen to be musicians, and uh, it's, uh, it's it'll be available there. 
of a new video and all that stuff like that. So it's a it's a Bremen uh, onslaught. What's the relationship between the album and the book? Uh, it's uh, the, the the songs wrestle with the same issues and have a bunch of animals in them. Well, we'll be looking forward to it for sure. Um, Thanks a lot. Jeff Brenner, thank you for telling us about the book. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for talking about it. Also, if people want to buy the book, it's in stock at Pulp Fiction. That's the only place I know of in Vancouver that has it, Pulp Fiction books. That's actually where I saw it. I was walking by Pulp Fiction, and it caught my eye. And, <laughs> and I thought great. it would be great to talk about on the Arts Report. Thank you. I'm glad that that... Sort of, in theory, that's how shit's supposed to work. Used to know a drummer was a real up-and-comer Had the looks and the chops right down And though it's a cliche, it's accurate to say He had a girl in every town Laboratory rabbit, he was marked by the habit, and sometimes he left the party too slow, you know. You wanna know if I've been true to you, rest easy, cause everything's fine. It's all just a matter of where you draw the To know a girl she got married too early And her husband was often out of town So her best friend Bridget would come over for a visit When the loneliness was getting her down Well, it was no big deal They just liked to drink tequila And set off the smoke alarms Play a little checkers dance to old records Wake up in each other's arms Wanna know if I've been true to you Rest easy, cause everything's fine It's all just a matter Of where you draw the line Gave him, and then he behaved himself. Anyway, that's what he said. And I would venture to guess when it was time to confess at the end of the saintly day. It was still a little hard not to turn to the padre, take a deep breath, and say. 
All right, that was Jeff Berner and Carolyn Mark uh, with a song called It's All Just a Matter of Where You Draw the Line. And that was from her album, maybe in 2005 or something. I think it was called Just Married, and it was an album of duets. All right, well, you uh, you grew up reading um, reading in Russian the story of the Braventown musicians. Yes, I did, yeah. And what what are your recollections? I can't remember that much. I just know that I read it over and over and over again. So I'm actually very interested to see his interpretation of the book. Well, feel free to to take it over and read it. Uh, the only thing that I will offer is that um, if if you remember it as a kid, <laughs> this is a, not a, the child friendly version. A much darker take. Right. Yeah, much I, darker. In fact, I think I wouldn't read it. It's the film noir true. version yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> the story. Okay, sounds good. Uh, well, I'll, I, I wrote out a couple events happening, and I read them earlier, and perhaps I'll share them again, just uh, just for anyone who tuned in in the last 20 minutes. Uh, but this week, on your arts calendar, uh, of course, the 27th annual Vancouver Queer, Queer Film Festival is on until the 23rd, so you can still check that out. Um, there is also the Coffee Film Festival at the Rio Theatre, that's Saturday, August 22nd. Um, and you can see movies about, do you guys, are you guys coffee drinkers? Mm-hmm. I'm not. Not a coffee I'm not drinker. a coffee drinker. Impossible. <laughs> like, like <laughs> never touch the stuff? I've touched the stuff, but like, it's not a regular thing. Yeah. Like not a daily, you know, I need my coffee right now or else I won't be able to function. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. I can't say that I'm like that either. I feel like during the school year, I'm a lot more like that for obvious reasons, but I, I love I, coffee. I think that I actually flirt the line with legitimate caffeine addiction oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> i i enjoy my coffees yeah i but today haven't had a coffee what's your favorite t- kind of coffee clean and f- coffee free ca- clean doesn't and have the jitters in the studio today two days yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite kind of coffee well i make it at home and <laughs> make it in a we should have like some artisanal uh that's art you know like Is some coffee artisanal baristas it's visual art though yeah. Yeah. yeah coffee coffee lattes can't really do that latte portraits yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> well, there there is also the East Van Short Film Showcase, um, which is happening at the Rio Theater, and that is this Sunday, the 23rd. Um, and they will be, of course, you know, every year we get major summer blockbusters, and, you know, you can get summer blockbuster fatigue, perhaps. Um, so check out the movies that are currently being made all the time by locals locals in East Van um, and there's a lot of really cool movies there Chick- tickets are really cheap too um, mm-hmm. so if you want to see some cool homegrown talent homegrown talent um, n- the, the word noir has come up many times this show film noir festival we've talked about a few times um Le Soir Noir is... Uh, is that the actual pronunciation? Le Soir Noir. Oh. 
that does a little, how many languages do you speak three english french, french and, and russian yeah pretty pretty good <laughs> <laughs> and what's the name of this event again le soir noir i think is that what it's called yeah so i'm not sure if that's like a french idiom but i think uh la blanche nuit is actually so that would be like the literal translation would be the white night but i think that actually means um like a pulling an all-nighter uh, so i guess this is kind of like a play on that so it's like i don't know maybe like pulling an all evening or, or something like that so well this is a, a do-it-yourself version um basically it's a, a free um democratic gathering where um we well you dress in all black if you can and um and you come for a um a picnic in the park which park is this at it is at crab park um and it is yeah so it's on august 25th and the task is to dress head to toe in your blackest clothes <laughs> and to come with good people and to um just share in the resounding positive community eating um eating dinner together sounds like a very good time yep uh and the last thing that i will tell the people <laughs> about is the vines art festival and this is this saturday august 22nd and i if you're around trout lake um check it out you know trout lake has their farmer's market on saturday mm -hmm. you can go for the farmer's market and stay for stay for the poetry in the park um reading between the clotheslines is the tagline and um it is Basically, everyone's invited to read some poetry and to um, enjoy a space of imagined underwater territory marked by three clotheslines, which are active clotheslines um, that are sort of exploring the liminal space between mm -hmm. multiple horizons and states of wet and dry. Well, that was quite the show. We got we got a lot covered there, a lot of interesting content. Oh, and I just actually remembered one other thing that's going on. Can't remember the date, but their Stanley Park has the outdoor film series going on right now, and I oh. think the next movie is uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> so that's going to be a fun one to watch in an actual park. The like the original. I think it's the first one, the original. Yeah. So I'll, I can't remember the date, but if you Google that. It'll be the first link, and you can obviously go with friends, family, watch a great film, get a little scared at the, at the park. Dinosaurs will come out. It'll be a good time. Very good time indeed. And uh, Andy, what can you tell us about sharing science coming up next? Uh, I'm not really sure. It seems to be about gut bacteria, which I know very little about, um, other than you should eat yogurt maybe. <laughs> Is that right? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, it has probiotic, in probiotic it, so it's, it's probably healthy for your stomach and intestinal flora and fauna. Oh, <laughs> those, those are some terms I've heard <laughs> thrown around <laughs> once or twice. We're the uh, we're going from the arts and culture show to the um, stomach culture the show. show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Sharing Science is a great show. So you hear uh, different uh, science-based students at UBC. Um, tackle 